Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Now at this time of the show, we normally have a guest in, and I never know who it is, uh, usually until late in the evening. And to my surprise, I started feeling extremely old, actually, when Jane told me that there's a chap called, you might know him, his name is Jerry Creighton. Um, and uh, uh, sorry, Jay, make sure you turn down that laptop there because yep. his name is Jerry Creighton. And I, I know Jerry a long, long time. Jerry worked in Dublin Zoo for 36 years, which makes me feel really old because I can remember the very, very start when I met Jerry first. Um, and that was in the nightclub industry going back a long time ago. We'll get to that in a minute. But he's just re- released a book. And you'll know Jerry, by the way, because he's if you've watched the TV show The Zoo, he's the red-headed lad. You can't miss him. He stands out a mile. Sorry, Jerry, I'm coming to you now. Yeah. But his new book is out. It's called Raised by the Zoo, My Life with Elephants and Other Animals. Jerry, welcome along. Great to be with you, Noel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, uh, quite, a, quite a crazy few weeks with the launch of the book, but uh, it's been so warmly received and some really, really amazing reviews. And yeah, it was great to get a chance to tell you know a story that began many years ago as a second generation zookeeper. Yeah, well, let's go back to the start. So your dad was, of course, the original zookeeper there, uh, Jerry Senior. Yes, indeed. And so he was used to go up to the zoo. With, obviously, with my dad, we were local. We lived in Iver Street, which was only, you know, a few minutes away from the zoo. And, you know, in them days, it was great. Like, you know, health and safety was completely different. And all the, all the zookeepers' kids would go up to the zoo at the weekends and, and hang out in the pet's corner and get to work with, you know, young animals and, and help mm. around. And you get you It was get, a very you, different zoo in those days. Oh, very different. I mean, there's, there's absolutely no comparison and I kind of depict that very well in, in, in the book about the, the awful 80s really when you know what we were was a Victorian zoo with a whole range I of always them. remember the polar bear everybody oh, remembers yeah. the, the poor polar bear yeah. he was in this enclosure of kind of white kind of painted rock and he'd get into the water, go up and down a little bit, get back out of the water, get into the water, go up and down a bit, go back out of the water. Yeah, the, and it was probably a terrible existence for the poor animal. Totally at the agree. Time. It was, it was, you know, that. And thankfully, that was one of the things that was dealt with, and, and and we moved on from keeping that particular species because you know they were designed. That was an old lion enclosure built in the fifties, and, yeah. and the cat. There was no real thought process or understanding of the animal psychology or biology or physiology like there is today, and how we design appropriately based on the species requirements how they interact with the environment, what they need to, to, to function as a correct species. It's a whole, it's completely different zoo to, to when I was there, as I say, because all the, all the, they were cages with bars and, and yeah. steel and glass. And, and now you look at the likes of the gorilla habitat, 15,000 plants, 200 different species, all edible for the gorillas. That are, they can and inter- you have to import all those, all yeah, those plants. Yeah, all, all, all these different, Stephen Butler and the horticulture team done an incredible job. He was the head of the horticulture at the time. And it is recognised as one of the most species appropriate uh, habitats in the world for gorillas. And not only, okay. you know, so it, it's huge difference. And before they were in a, an old fishbowl type where they were, oh, got, you know, it was, yeah. Awful. It was awful. Yeah, with the glass cracked because they were banging on it every exactly. now and again. Probably. They just were not appropriate. But, mm. you know, we, we had to go through it, you know, a lot of transformation. Peter Wilson, who was the director then in the 80s, um, you know, he got government support, 90s. Uh, Bertie Ahern, then with the Taoiseach, uh, the zoo was in his constituency. He 
took an interest in it, proper funding. Then we got the the. African Did he give you that out of his own bank account? <laughs> yeah, the brown envelope. <laughs> then we got we got uh, we got you know the proper land in in the African plains, uh, which is the Orson Nukteron. Then a yeah. director, uh, Leo Ustavegel, which was a Dutch man, he had great vision for the zoo and he had international experience, and and you know there was a whole wind of change and it changed for the people of Ireland and uh, the, now it now is one of the most beautiful zoos that has a real significant role in conservation education that, I was going to get to this okay yeah. so we've had the debate on the air Jerry a load of times and I'm going to come back to your childhood in a minute but sure. we've had the debate you know about because I know there was a Sinn Féin representative in the north said that uh, Belfast Zoo should close and you know they should do it over a 50 year period by just not renewing any of the animals they said the same a Labour MP said it in Britain too that the days of zoos are over, that it's an outdated Victorian idea, and that nowadays with Discovery Channel, you know, with YouTube, with everything that people have, AI now, they can nearly interact in the cage with an animal or, or interact in the wild with an animal. That do we really need zoos? Because the purpose of a zoo for visitors was to see an animal up close, to, to almost smell it, to almost touch it, to, to see the animal interacting. But now we don't we don't have that purpose anymore. And I suppose animal activists are probably your enemy. <laughs> they they would say it's unnecessary. How do you argue with that? It's well, difficult uh, to argue with that, isn't you, it? No, it's not difficult to argue at all when you, you look at the current uh, situations that are happening globally for many species and communities. And, and you know, that's a, it's a very anachronistic view of zoos without really having a full understanding of what the role of the modern zoo is. The IUCN just came out the other day, which is the International Union for Conservation of Nature, which is a very credible, one of the most recognised scientific bodies in the world that analyses populations and plans for um, many species across the world and they have adamantly um, you know, they've supported the role of the modern zoo and what it does. It's more than just a zoo now, and it, like, there's genetics. Like, for example, just to give you, like Sumatran tiger or, or moor tiger, there's only a few hundred individuals left. All the zoos get together every year. They work on genetics, reproduction, science, research, working with communities across the globe. Like Dublin Zoo, for example, has a 10-year conservation plan. I've been to the oil. Like, there is no such thing as the oil anymore. Even in Africa, the parks are managed. Uh, I was there when I, in the Kaziranga National Park when we had to stop the traffic to allow elephants cross the road to go to a, an area that there. 70% of the Tuskers in Africa in India have been killed. Every 15 minutes there's an African elephant killed. Every single day. 60, 70 per day for ivory. Now, Absolutely, people were right to question the old method of zoos and how they were managed and how they were run. But you need to look at it now with fresh eyes. You need to look at the broader picture of how zoos are working together collectively. IASA, the European Association of Zoos and Aquarium, coming together. Like this week alone, um, some of the great work going on in the UK. 20, 20 Scottish wildcats reintroduced from the Highland Safari Park. Beavers are back in the river um, that were released from zoos in the UK. Uh, bison back in Kent that have been released from, from zoos. So, you know, zoos are changing. In, like, and can you release an animal back into the wild? Because if an animal is raised in a zoo, maybe this I'm wrong in thinking this, if an animal is raised in the zoo, does it still have its natural instincts if you just fling it out into a jungle no, somewhere? No, great question. A great question. There has to be a very deep strategy and a deep plan. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm currently training 13 African elephants in, in Howlett's Wild Animal Park in the UK. But this is a world first for them to be returned to Shimba Hills in Kenya, the first time they've ever gone back from a zoo. So that would be just not that they're dropped into Africa. They will go into a 50-acre reserve first, climate, get, you know, 
used to the climate, the food, and we're training them for the travel crate. So I've been training the team so when they go into the travel crates, the, the door closes behind them, they're desensitised to the move, they're prepared psychologically, physically. Um, but the Scottish Wildcat is a great example. Like They, they would be fed appropriately. Um, they've all been released back into the wild. It, it, it's a management and a strategy. There's some crate, by the way, to lift an elephant. Then yeah. what, does an ele- what does an elephant weigh? Well, yeah, the, the average uh, female elephant like uh, would be five to six tons. So, <laughs> but, and so it's good to have them trained. So you know, people just have to have you know a mm. little, a little bit more of an open mind. And people were right to question them. But zoos, the modern zoo, is a fundamental asset when you look at what's going on in the wild. I mean, it's, but I, I think questioning zoos keeps the pressure on. Correct. I, I, I mean, when you look at, say, for example, SeaWorld in yeah. Florida. I mean, they came out under serious question after that documentary came out, of course, in relation to what was happening in the whales. Mm. Now, you've seen that SeaWorld now have pulled back on animals. It's more about roller coasters and everything else. And they've kind of pulled back on the animals. They don't seem to be bringing in as many as they used to. Uh, so they're, 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 And they're treating the animals probably a little yeah. better as well. So there, there is, you know, when we do question it, it keeps the pressure on to make sure they're treated properly. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no doubt about that. But I just want, like, like some of the projects I'm involved in, for example, I'm working with Melbourne Zoo now in Australia. Melbourne have realised that the elephants is in, in, in the Melbourne City Zoo, they, they need a lot more space. And now they're moving them out to Werribee Open Range, which is a, which is a zoo out in, the, out in the countryside, with a 40-acre site for elephants. 40 acres. like Because they walk. They naturally walk. They elephants. naturally walk. 18 hours a day, they're searching, they're looking for food. I'm working at the Allied Zoo in the UAE, where we had to take the elephants were taken in because of human elephant conflict and uh, 100 elephants were sold by the Namibian government because they were going to be shot because of human elephant conflict so they took them into the zoo there and we have a 17, 18 hectare spot and it's about creating destinations and journeys for the elephants every day topography changes where they come out and say oh which way do I go today resource movement they're looking for food looking for opportunities it's a whole different psychology and it's based up with credible research like even in Dublin we've we done locomotion studies uh, sleep studies foraging studies on the elephants and it was all comparable with wild elephants now I'm not trying to say the wild would be a better place and I would love to think that you know at some time in my lifetime the zoos would not be needed but the point is the wild is no longer the wild like we imagine it's not a safe place it's for not a, a safe place every 15 minutes like I just said to you an African elephant is butchered and, and it's not just African elephants it's rhinos it's as well of course you know, so, yeah. you know the, the modern zoo has you know for like the conservation projects in the wild supporting communities supporting you know, legislation for research and, and, and change. And what about their own habitats? Are we still destroying them at a rate that we used to destroy them before or, or has that slowed down a bit? Massively. Like, they, like, unfortunately, like in India, you know, because of the population, India, for example, which is a very dynamic, um, you know, ecosystem, um, because of so many people, it's going to surpass China as the most populous country in the world now. And elephants mm. and, and lions, are, are elephants and tigers and the, the Indian lion are all suffering. There's only 400 Indian lions left. They're pushed into one little pocket in the Gear Forest, and again, Dublin Zoo has been fundamental and, and very successful in in re, you know in, in in breeding them animals, and hopefully for reintroductions again in the future. So they, yeah, people are right, and they're right to look at the zoo to make sure that the ethics are there. But I can reassure them, but like like certainly the zoos I've been associated with, that transformation is so significant over the last decades, and it's all about it's a conservation body now that's looking after a zoo, and it, yeah. it, it, its tentacles go far and, and does it make money? I mean, well, I know during COVID it was a bad time you, you know there was two and a half years there where there was a lot of money lost and I'm sure it costs a lot of money to run a zoo I have no idea per month how much it costs to feed animals but I'm sure it's quite substantial and that's not just the, the feeding it's the veterinary services it's the horticultural services it's everything that goes along with the maintenance everything 
So is it expensive to run a zoo? It's absolutely huge. I mean, obviously, you know, Dublin Zoo suffered um, greatly with, uh, during the time of, of COVID. You know, the, the, the bill would be over 100,000 a month between food and, and, and feeding and, you know, staff, everything. It's a very significant operation. But lucky enough, you know, the, 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 with the zoo TV show, which has been started 12, 13 years ago, every year the zoo is over a million visitors and it quickly recovered and it got support from the government and it got support, you know, helped out. So because people understand that it's, it's, it's been really embedded that, in that Irish. That TV show must have been sold to a lot of I see it randomly on odd channels on Sky every now and again. It, it, it's been phenomenal. <laughs> like it's, you know, and the great thing about that is, and that's why people need to watch it, with the director then, also Leo Ustavoyagel said, it's going to be everything. It's everything. Like we, we, we euthanized the lioness on the, on the TV programme because she was old and explained why. And we show the, the monkey carrying her dead baby and why it happened. The whole trials and tribulations of zoo life were shown in an honest format, and people loved mm. that emotional roller coaster ride. It was it was exactly how what zoo life is about: animals coming, animals going, you know, transfers, births, deaths, all these reasons. So very very important. And uh, you know, as I say, the Dublin Zoo that I worked at in the kid of the eighties to the, the zoo that's there now. You know, I'm not the official spokesperson. I just have a long history there. You with sound it. like one. Yes, <laughs> you, have a, you, no. you have a huge passion. And let me go back to this passion yeah, you have. Sorry, I mean, just sorry. listening to you talking, Jerry, you're obsessed to it, you have a passion for the animals so there's we have, there's no question that you really care, but you cared so much when you were younger, and this is when I knew you when you were in your early 20s, right? You were bringing the animals home to the house with yeah, you yeah. The animals were raised in your house That's literally raised, there was nothing unusual about having lions or tigers under the bed or a chimpanzee <laughs> or a gorilla hanging on the end of the bed either. I remember you telling me years ago you were you, you had to change the, the gorilla's nappy every day or, Yeah, or it was for hygiene reasons Like you know, they, they were like a baby to get fed every two or three hours and thankfully, even now, that's all changed because of, you know, much better better keeping of animals and better facilities. Do you still bring them home every no, now and again? No, it's very rare <laughs> now because there's a different strategy, like what we call now is assisted feeding, where in the past where we would have taken them away, now you can actually supplementary feed and leave them in because if they are taken for too long, it can have an impact on how they behave. You know, chimps need to be with chimps, not not out in the house in Cabra. You know, they, that's where they need to be. <laughs> but the point is, we had a strategy and a plan for them to get them back in and reintroduced. And now it's it's handled differently. But it was an amazing experience to share your. your and what life. was it like for your mum and dad and for the rest of the kids and the, uh, the rest sure of the great family to have monkeys running well, around no, the house? Sure, but it used to be so like you know, funny. We had we had Rena who was an orangutan living with us too, and she used to sit in a baby seat in the back of the car and we'd be driving into the zoo. And of course, people would look at me at the traffic lights with the red hair and holding the baby. Baby seat with the red hair. They say it was a very confusing situation, but you know, uh, they, uh, they were either saying that's either a monkey or a very ugly child. It was amazing that it's great to be able to tell these stories in the book, you know. Because and, it's and one of the stories I mentioned earlier on was when we knew each other a long time ago. And again, I want to point out this is a long time ago, it's about 30 years ago now, probably a little bit more actually. Yeah, the Harp Bar, yeah, and that was Millie. That was we. we we had a jungle night or something. I can't remember what it was. But you were standing outside with a lion yeah. on a lead. That's exactly what you see. In them days, you know, unfortunately, the zoo had limited ways of promoting itself, not like social media. You'd never do things like that now. But yeah, like, I mean, the, uh, there was the animals would go to events like the supermarkets, the, 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 the RDS, those things, events that you know, would bring animals along because that's what the zoo was only way of getting its name and advertising. Now. And you look back now, you'd reflect and absolutely you wouldn't do it now. And it was different. But they were hand rare. That was a hand Imagine if you had to get off the lead. I know, lion I missing lion that I was, you know, it was rare at the time. Very different nowadays, but uh, still, like, you yeah. know, incredible stories that. To, 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 to and and I, I got a wonderful experience because I met you one day in the zoo and you had a bit of spare time, so you kind of gave me a backstage tour, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. 
And, and I, I can't remember what it was. I rubbed it. Could have been a panther or it could have been a snow leopard. It was it a snow leopard. I'd say it was remember. a snow. Yeah, the squid. Yeah, it'd be the snow leopard Patrice that we hand raised to. It was a beautiful yeah. animal. And you let me rub it, and then you said, "You said to me, let it lick your face." I said, "I will not." <laughs> no, but amazing. But you see, you, you know, these these are very unique experiences, aren't they? Really, when you yeah, yet you're still talking about it all this time after. <laughs> yeah. That's the power of animals. That's the power of what animals do. So what's what's the future now for Dublin Zoo? I mean, is it still a financial struggle, by the way? But no, I mean, as I say, I mean, I, I officially left the zoo over two years ago to set up my own, my own um, global elephant care business as a consultant yeah. working all around the world. But I'm always very fortunate to follow what's going on there. The zoo is, has a new director who's very conscious on, on conservation and is going to bring it to a new level of conservation. There's still a great team there. It's very viable. The July this year, there was a washout, so they're down some figures. But, you know, it, it, it always pulls back and it is a very, very sleek operation now. You know, it'll always need yeah. support, but it's doing very, very well, both on internationally, like, it, you know, it really really is a zoo of, of, of standards and quality that is right up there with the world's best. And I don't say that lightly because I travel to so many zoos. And that's the great thing, as I say, I mentioned in the book, is that evolution of, of literally... I remember, this is true, I remember us going on a Friday and Saturday in the 80s to supermarkets like Superquin, um, and we were collecting all the food from the displays that they would use, like, at the Saturday salad bar and, uh, and using it to feed animals such was how the poverty really at the zoo at the time how desperate you were how yeah, desperate yeah. it was and they were running events like to save money And but now like it's such a vibrant place it's got such a you know a positive role in Ireland and globally uh, I'm very proud of the time I spent there you know and, and, and what, was your, what was your saddest moment in all the years that you, you were I there had, yeah I, I had a very sad moment which I mentioned in the book and you never set out in, in, in life to, to, to harm an animal but there was again things are, were done different like now Nowadays, if an animal has been moved away, like a rhino or, a, or an elephant, you get the travel crate in many months in advance. And you train them every day to go back and forward into it. So they don't have to be sedated or darted. On the day, they walk in and you close the gate. But many, many years ago, 96, I think it was, um, and uh, Dorothy was a, a rhino that was going to the UK. And um, she was being gone over and part of a breeding loan. But she got very... It was a bit of a... It was two o'clock in the day. There was people in the zoo. But we always bring a firearms response team to a, a large animal being moved um, for obvious it reasons. Was just in case. Just, just in, in case. case. And unfortunately, um, the, the, she got into a really panic as she got onto the side of the truck as she was being loaded. And uh, again, it would never happen. Um, but she disintegrated the side of the truck and she came out the side and she came charging fully at me. And unfortunately, I had to, I had to shoot her. And I'll never forget that day. It was the saddest day ever in my life. Something you'd never want to do. But there was mm. people in the park and we had to do it right. But then, you know, as I say... Thankfully, none of that would never happen because training and appropriate, you know, sa sa safety and health and safety risks are done. There's pre-report in and every every aspect. Yeah, times change. Times, times change. change. And thankfully, yeah. But that was a that was. And a that really must have broke your heart then, because you cared yeah. so much about the animals. Of it must have broke your heart. I mean, it was heartbreaking to do that and to see to see that. You know, I never forget it, and it's still like you know, it's still upsets me when I think about it too much because that's not you know a beautiful animal that had been there for the for a, for a few years and going off to start on a breeding program and then you had to you had to take mm. that action but you know these are these are the what, what are the longest the longest animals that are in the zoo? I remember the time the last time I met you in the zoo which is a long time ago now Judy was there it was a chimp that's yeah uh, yeah is she still there? No, would you believe Judy, Judy died a couple of years ago. She went to Warsaw Zoo in Poland with Lucy, the chimpanzee I raised uh, at home. She was our grandmother. But would you believe from them three chimps, there was Wendy, Betty and Judy. And, um, you know, uh, 
Betty is still there in the zoo. She's gone well into her 60s and she was there since 1962. And she was originally there as one of the tea party chimps that they used to take out on the lawn. And, you know, thankfully all that yeah, kind that's of... Right. That yeah, they used to dress them up yeah. around the table and make tea. Yeah, thankfully yeah. all that rubbish is there. And she got to live out <laughs> her life on a big, vibrant, beautiful island, you know, up in the African plains with the rest of the chimp family. So, you know, it was good for mm. her to be able to see that. But she would be the last of, of, of that generation of animals. And how old is she? Sixty-two. She's in her sixties now. She's still there. Yeah. She, well, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, she's. Still and how there. long? How long do chimps live? That's like yeah, humans, getting, I suppose. She's getting. Yeah, they have lived up to seventy in exceptions, but she's she's on kind of borrowed time now. At, at you know at this stage, oh, yeah, but sad. she's but amazing to see. You know, she's still you know amazing to see the, the the different stages of her life too, which were very much like my life in the zoo and the different standards and yeah. to where she got. You know, and the gorilla, of course, who only died there recently as well. Well, I say recently, it was a couple of years ago. There, Harry, yeah. Harry, wasn't Harry. It? Harry, yeah, again, and magnificent big, and then there was a lot of controversy over Harry and how, and he, I, you know, I personally used to go back at night time to look after Harry and watch him with other keepers, and he got the best care. It was actually an aneurysm of the brain that you could have never, ever detected, and there was all sorts of allegations against the zoo that were fairly thrown at him, which I actually deal with in the book too, and uh, yeah. you know, he, he, he was an amazing animal, and he got the best care possible, and it was just one of these, you know, very freak things that would happen. Did you, did you, did you actually, were you actually in with Harry in the, in the enclosure when he was in good health I'm talking about no we would never we didn't have to share the same space with him when he was very young and he came to the zoo first my dad did and another keeper Liam Reid that was there they would have had a, you know, a close relationship with him. they were looking at him on a daily basis but um, you don't you know you, you, you avoid even now elephants because in the old days when I was in with the elephants in, in the zoo that's called free contact and you had a hook and the idea was that the elephant understood the consequence of the hook that if it didn't conform you know it would be pushed into a, a part of its body and I, that was something that we were all usually uncomfortable with. Thankfully, now that's banned and it's not allowed. And now you don't have to share the same space. You use positive reinforcement to train them yeah. to lift their feet for pedicures, for blood draws, all on their terms. They can walk away if they want, but they never do. They want to engage it. They want to because you know, they love the, the the time. They get the best care possible, all on their terms, using positive reinforcement. Again, it's all part of this you know evolutionary process where kindness is the key for animals, and that's what we know. Kindness is. The have key. you ever been injured, by the way, by animals? I I, I got a couple of small bites over the years. I got a sea lion bite one time. Uh, nothing, nothing too too serious, thankfully. But you know, there's been yeah. two keepers killed in the history of the zoo, and they were both in, in the, the in the Irish zoo. Oh yeah, yeah. And it actually, okay. and, um, one was was keeper McNally, and he was with an elephant. And actually, his family only contacted me recently because they got the book and they wanted me to sign the book. And he was doing a pedicure on an elephant with an abscess on her foot. That was also, as I say, it's well over a hundred odd years ago. And um, unfortunately, she killed him. And um, it was actually in the notes of the zoo. Of, of, the, of the zoo at the time they said the, the, the Royal Irish Constabulary was summoned to the, the park and the elephant was shot under firing squad you know which is uh yeah. So the elephant was shot after the fact. After the, yeah, but crazy. Okay, probably what happened now. Yeah, yeah cr crazy old days. But you know, part yeah. and then there was another keeper killed by a red stag. But you know, right. nowadays again, as I say, the, the emphasis is on health and safety. The habitats are designed with the animals' biology in in mind. They have. You know what I've never understood? We've such a beautiful country and su such beautiful landscape in this country. Why we've never had an open safari park? Yeah, well, than a well, zoo. photo was a version. You know, photo wildlife park. Yeah. you know, has 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 l large open span spaces. 
plans um, for it. But yeah, I mean, there is a lot of beautiful landscapes that you know that are there that would suit certain species um, that you could do. But Fota has, you know, does a really good job with a lot of the African species, uh, mm. the giraffe and the oryx, and they've been very successful with a lot of their breeding programs too, which is great. You know, it, and that was set up by Dublin Zoo in in, in, in the late seventies. As, as what's your favorite? What's your favorite animal, Jerry? I know, honestly, yeah. You know, when as you I must I, have a favorite. No, I do. I love them all, but the elephants. But <laughs> you know, because. In human care, we, 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 we were happy to keep them under any conditions. And when you see elephants and how they operate as a family, they celebrate life, they, you know, they mourn death, their, their investment in the next generation of the herd. It's all about you know, making sure the, the, the herd is secure. We could learn so much of them as humans and how everything has a solid purpose, either defending your family or looking for resources or supporting them. But ultimately, it's kindness and, and how they look after one another is unique. And that's the mm-hmm. great thing to see them compared to the old days when they were taken away as neonatals. We now have this fabulous dynamic herd of elephants that invest in one another, that care about one another, that elephants are allowed to be elephants now. And as I say, kindness is the key. Yeah. And is any of the, any of your family involved still in the zoo? Yeah, no, I've got still got a nephew there and um and my own with my own work globally then my daughter Mia's travelling with me. She was over in France. Um a great yeah. sorry, just a quick one, Upley, which was a bull elephant that left Dublin Zoo four years ago. He was the most successful breeding bull we ever had. The keepers rang me from France saying he's 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 not cooperating with us, he won't allow us to uh do his pedicures because he was in a thing called must, which is a heightened hormone stage males come. Hust is a Hindu word meaning intoxicated. But I, I think most o- lads go through that as well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I went over with Mia to see Upley and um, he hadn't seen me in four years and he came right over to the training wall start rumbling real de- deep rumbles really relaxed and he presented his foot for me to do the pedicure on his foot so it is true an elephant never forgets no no they, they certainly don't forget but Jerry, I have to say it sounds amazing the book by the way I suppose goes through your life being raised in the zoo because that's literally what it's called raised by the zoo and you were raised by the zoo exactly. you're like one of the animals yourself you've been in there <laughs> no, so I'm much less. I'm assuming it's not a 9 to 5 job no it never you never switch off honestly and you can't switch off because with the emotional attachment and you know you ne- and honestly the one thing as I said with that in the book for the 37 years that I was in the zoo there was not one single day that I didn't want to jump up out of bed and go to work you know what I mean and that's what animals do to you and you know it's not a 9 to 5 job it's a very very rewarding well, I'm sure job. you got calls at 4 in the morning oh, Oh, you, you better get down here. I get loads of times you'd have to watch in, and as the operations manager before, you know, I was in charge of all the animal departments, and it, you know, it, it was a big responsibility. But I just loved it. You know, I loved it. And I just love to see, you know, how the zoo is doing and how so well it's progressing, and, and long may it continue. And and the sick animals, by the way, when animals like human beings, they get sick all the time. I'm assuming. Um, you know, years and years ago, it was a case of only having a you know a dog and cat vet to come and do their best because that's all they knew. But now I'm assuming that we have better veterinary services when it comes to exotic animals. Absolutely. There's, there's, all across the world, there's an international organisation of vets that would be specific to each species. There's even dentists for specifically for animal. The director's wife at Dublin Zoo is actually an, an animal dentist too and she can work on tusks or teeth. And you, you have specialist vets and there's a whole network of support. That they, they actually put all their data into an animal called ARCS, an animal record keeping system, that if I have a problem at one zoo, OK, let's see how they dealt with it. The information exchange is incredible. The support is incredible, and specialists for every animal you know in the world. Because you know that's what you know they're, they're, they're so rare, they're so endangered. There's nutritionists, behaviorists, research, the evolution of of the zoos. And as I said, people are quite 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 right to to question, but just don't live in the past. What I'm encouraging people to do is to look mm. at the role. Like you could even download Dublin Zoo's ten year conservation plan off their website, and it'll give you a fascinating insight to the role of the modern zoo and exactly where it's going 
And I, I, I do remember another thing from, from the past as well. The, the chimpanzees, because of course, just like human beings, they like to have sex every now and again. Um, they're they're on contraceptives. Is that That's right? right? Again, like a lot of species are. It was a funny one. Yeah, like I remember too being up with the chimp, talking <laughs> to the chimps and these real Dublin women there at a time. And she was saying, well, why, "Why you don't they have babies?" And we were saying, like, you know, genetically you don't want them to have babies. All so the you just time. give them the pill. They get the pill or the coil in. And uh, this woman says, "Yeah, she's on the pill." I said, "Yeah," and I pointed <laughs> to the male. I said, "It's an awful hand you're trying to get a condom on him." <laughs> but yeah, yeah because, because there's no other way to do it. No, I mean, you, you don't. It's not like your dog and cat. You don't. Circumcise animals, do you? Or no, do they? no, no. You can, you can. Certain species, you are mean, not you, circumcised. No, I know what you mean. No, you, 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 can, you can neuter. You can do that. You could do like we've done it with wolves or certain animals. But you would only you would you take a bit of vas deferens, and that you know obviously produces a, or transfers the sperm because by by leaving them fully intact, for the want of a better word, <laughs> you keep the normal behaviour. You would still have the dominance. That you know the, the mating rights would still happen. So psychologically, that's another thing that we've learned. Where in the old days they would castrate, and um, because it would stop breeding but now no you can actually have alternatives to contraception or, 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 or selective breeding but it's at least the animals still get to have some fun didn't I hear somewhere recently that somebody wanted to reintroduce wolves back into Ireland again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the, keep to keep the, the deer population no, down. That, that's unfortunately again, you know, it, it's it's a good idea, and um, you know, we would like to be thinking that we could, but it would leak. You know, our country's small now, and you would never be any more than you know a few miles from a village where sheep and dogs and cattle will be. It would have its it would have its huge restrictions. There was a talk about doing it in Scotland, but for the red deer population who have much more in the Highlands, much more mm. vastness. But yeah. um, I think the reality of, of, you know, unless it was in a very selected, managed area of a couple of hundred acres, um, I, I, I'd love to see it working, but I think it would <laughs> yeah, be very difficult. You wouldn't like to see a wolf walking through your village. Indeed, <laughs> yeah, it'd, be, it'd be like Dancing with Wolves. Yeah, it was like a great movie exactly. many years ago. You'd shit yourself. What's the most dangerous animal in the zoo, by the way? Well, you mean they're all, I mean, they, they can all be dangerous, you know, when you think of the Well, power. is there anyone that you, you know, that you yourself well, would go, oh God, I'm just going to feed this one, I'm terrified. No, no, but you mean no. the carnivores, all the big carnivores are reactionary and, and, and you, you you know, their power is, is phenomenal when you look at them with a leg of a leg of beef or a leg of meat and they crunching through the bones. But, you know, one of them that, you know, as I said, we, we spoke about them, the chimps as well, like they can be... They, they very can strong. Be, they're very, so strong and so intelligent, you know what I mean, and working things out that, you know, and they, there has been some catastrophic, you know, injuries of people who were attacked by chimps in the wild or when they go after. And they reckon they're the only other animal apart from man that understands the concept of murder. So what you will see in the wild is like a, a coalition of, of males will come together. They'll, they'll identify a male from another group. They'll go track him down, they'll kill him, and they pull off his genitals, and it's very, like, as a dominance, and then they'll celebrate and uh, the, the murder. Now that's so mm. that that's the the level of intelligence that you know I always found wow when you think about that you know they're they're, yeah. they're, they're I'm very... going to watch Planet of the Apes tomorrow. Right? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> you know. There's a new one coming out. Exactly. I think, as well. Yeah, because I do love the chimpanzees. I love I love the fact that they're so human. Yeah. And I've seen great videos online of you know people doing things and the chimp telling them to put things through the glass and yeah, all this yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, it's hilarious to watch. Do you, do you miss the zoo itself? I know I know I, you're still interacting with animals, but do you miss the zoo? Yeah, I mean, you know, you. You, you become so accustomed to uh, to you know the, to a place, but you know it was kind of I, I lucky enough with the opportunities. The phone just hasn't stopped ringing. I've been to San Diego Zoo, an elephant sanctuary in Tennessee. I've been working with you know I've been helping zoos all over the world. So I didn't really have time, but um, like this role now, like you know, with Global Elephant Care and having the opportunity 
opportunity to be a voice for the elephants and, and create, you know, optimum wellness and care conditions that make a significant difference in their life is very important to me. And as I say, I'm, I'm working on some amazing projects around the world, like from elephants that are going to be released back to the wild, that elephants have been taken from the wild that need, that need care and support and creating these landscapes with destinations and journeys and resources for these animals where that you know they, it's the optimal care that they're not standing around anymore I love what I do now because what you know with the old days you'd walk by with you the, the animals or even elephants would hear you rattle your keys and they'd be running over to see where the keeper was because that was the highlight of their day maybe something was going to happen now we have these amazing landscapes where elephants have mud wallows overhead feeders automated feeders that got released food over 24 hours and I'd walk in in the morning out of these places and they'd look at me and they would have no interest because there's so much resources available for mm. them to have appropriate elephant behaviour that I've now become insignificant in their life which is wonderful that means you're doing a good job and in relation to where the animals are still being sourced of course there was controversy many years ago about how the animals are sourced or where they're sourced from are animals still taken out of the wild? No, it's it's very, very, very rare now because even you know you know when you talked about AI and electro ejaculation, they can go out to the wild. Like they've gone out to the wild now to sedate bull elephants and big cats and and take sperm or eggs from them in the wild. So it doesn't happen. It, it very, very rarely happens unless you know it's a critical situation where there's only one or two species and they've taken certain species of vertebrates back out and and tortoises like in in, in China to to it was at a critical point where there was only literally, literally only a couple of individuals left. But that very, very rarely that's, happens. That's tortoises. Yeah. Do you remember tortoises years ago? They were really popular. People used to have them in their houses. Sure, ma- yeah, that was one of the things too, you know, about how the power of medium and the ninja turtles that was on. And every every day, you know, we had, we'd had we find tur- turtles in a box outside the zoo where people got them for the novelty because of the ninja turtle craze. And we'd have to, and they were actually, they were dumped into the zoo lake. There's actually still some of them. And they're an invasive species now. They don't help our own our own yeah. aquatic life. They're, they're in, there are in lakes and rivers uh, around Ireland, would you believe? Yeah, because of all the people that were getting rid of them. And, the trend, and they, was, and the they breed. Was, yeah, the trend was yeah. there. They would leave them outside the zoo gates or, or they were actually some thrown into the zoo lake many years ago too. Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Ireland's classic hit.